Hello and welcome back to Black Horror. I'm Angel, your host, and this week for episode 3 we'll be talking about the film Quarantine. So before we get into that, I promised a story of how I almost got arrested by or because of some kleptos. So here it is. Okay. So this is back when I first moved to Tennessee, which was at least eight to nine years ago. So it's probably, I don't know, like, hold on, I gotta look up. So probably not exactly eight, nine years ago, probably like seven-ish. So probably like 2015. So, okay. And this is... I want to say before Tinder, but I was on a dating site, uh, POF. Met this girl, I'll leave her name out. She lived in Georgia, a little past Atlanta. I forgot the city. It was some, like, super country, like, super country name. I can't remember. But either way, we were talking, wanted to meet up. I drove out there. It was like a three, four hour drive. And she lived with her mom, which I at the time did too, so I'm not hating. Anyways met her met her family her stepdad and you know we spent some time at her house and mind you she lived up in the mountains it was like the widest town I very much could have got lynched like God was on my side but anyways so we uh went to we went to get something to eat and then we went to Kohl's and her you know we split off me and the girl went I think to like the clothing department and or the women's clothing department and her mom went to the men's wear department and we met back up and I think we met back up in the jewelry section and I didn't just notice and like all these people keep watching us and I'm just mean like what the fuck like I know we in the south but you ain't seen black people with some white people before like it was pissing me off everybody kept watching us and you know we get to the counter and the girl you know she's like very quiet like you know most time they're saying hi you know hello how are you you know you know something like some sort of introduction she's very quiet and the girl on what's keeps trying to crack jokes because it was a very awkward silent tension and the girl on what keeps trying to crack jokes and you know she'll be like hey you know get a little, little fake laugh whatever so then we walk out the building and literally four, I want to say at least four or five, not cop cars, the cop trucks, like those Ford Explorer trucks, like swarm us. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm thinking someone's behind us, like coming out, like, and I'm, you know, about to start running and shit. Like, oh my God, you know, someone, I'm thinking something is going on behind me. Not that the people that are wanting is me the girl and her mom and they're like you know they jump out the car like come with us and what the fuck and they like escort us all the way through the colds like the room that they escorted us to was in the back of the cold it was so embarrassing and they're like do you have something with you you're not supposed to have and I'm like bro no like I didn't even buy anything at the Kohl's uh, the girl I was with I think she bought um some earrings or something and the mom was like no and you know the girl I'm with she says you know I have my receipt I bought these earrings blah blah and the mom's like no I don't have anything and they're like ma'am we saw you on camera we know you have something you're not supposed to have and she's like I don't have anything and you know she she denies it like maybe two three times and then finally like ma'am do we need to show you the tape and then she starts having a fake panic attack she's like you know like like act like she can't breathe and shit and not even crying because she's like making the sound of crying like when kids do but no tears are coming out and it's a white cop (laughs) it's a white and a black cop in there and the white cop is talking to her 
And he's like, ma'am, ma'am, calm down. Like, you can tell he's just over it. He's like, ma'am, calm down. She's like, I took it. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And he's like, ma'am, calm down. <laughs> and I, had I not been pissed the fuck off, I probably would have laughed. But she's like, I, I have panic attacks. I need my medicine. Like, girl, like, very fake. But, I mean, no, because I've had a panic attack once. But, anyways that's because i was high but anyways I, it it just seemed fake like i understand i'm sure the variations of panic attacks but it seemed very fake and even the cop was like ma'am my mom has panic attacks i need you to calm down i need you to breathe he was very over it and mind you he's trying to get her to calm down so the black cop is talking to me and the girl and he's like you know i need your ids i'm like the fuck you need my id for like i ain't do shit and i literally like i just met these people today like i should not even be here he's like ma'am i need your id and we have to take your name down because you're with them i'm like but i literally don't even know these people like come on now i was uh, i was cussing at the cop i was so pissed off and like i said god was on my side because this man could have arrested me he could have beat me down he could have shot me anything because i was really talking crazy to his ass because i was pissed off because i'm like first of all i don't even live here and then i was scared as fuck because i'm like if i get arrested in georgia and my mom has to come down and bail me out or whatever she's gonna whoop my ass oh i was so scared i was pissed and I gave him my idea. Well, really, I threw it out. Like, I tossed it at him. And he's like, he looked at me like, bitch. <laughs> but, and the girl I was with, she gave him her ID. And, you know, he went off to, I guess, scan her, make a copy or whatever. And the mom's like, you know, still crying and still acting like she's having a panic attack. And then he's like, ma'am, well, like I said, we know that you have, you know, the product. And I think she pulled it out of her purse or her backpack. I forget. She either had a purse or a backpack with her. She pulled it out, gave it to him. And he's like, well, thank you for, you know, finally being truthful. And, you know, we are going to put you on the ban list, all three of you. And you can't come back for he told us amount of time this is like years and i'm sure the time is up by now but either way i'm not gonna go back to that cold but either way and she's like okay you know and she had to sign something and i had to sign something the girl had to sign something and i'm just like bro i don't even live here how you gonna ban me like i don't even live here i'm not coming back especially not now but either way and then um so we walk out you know, finally walk all the way back through the cold. People looking at us, they're like whispering, like, oh my God, they're the fucking three years blah, blah. And, um, and got to my car because we rode in my car. And then that's the thing. I had to drive all the way to four hours. Now we're driving all around town in my car. Like, oh God, it was a mess. But go to the car and on the way to the car outside of the cold, you know, the mom was like, I'm really sorry. Or no, no, she didn't even say I'm, she said, you know, we're really sorry that this had to happen. You know, you didn't deserve this angel. And, and me and the girl I'm with side eyeing her, like, what you mean? We like, girl, you stole some. And mind you, this family was well off. Like the girl and her parents and her parents, parents, they had money. Like, if you'd have seen the house, if you'd seen the area, if you'd seen all the, you'd have known that they had money. And we'll get to that later. But anyways, so we dropped the mom back off at the house and we, I think we end up going to get some drinks. And this is when the girl tells me like, oh yeah, she has, she's a kleptomaniac and so is my grandma. 
And, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, we've always been well off, but, you know, I remember even as a kid, my grandma would be stealing hams, like entire hams from the the store, or, you know, she'd always steal our Christmas presents, and we'd have to, like, try to get the little ink cartridge off the clothes, and like, so you knew that, and then she was like, and then, okay, the girl I was with, she knew, because she was like, yeah, she, when she said that she was hot, I kind of had a feeling, she, she said that, because the, the mom had mentioned she was hot, like, after we were in the jewelry section, she said, you know, I'm getting hot, and that's when we started, you know, leaving the jewelry section to make our way to the cash register, and she was like, yeah, that's kind of when I knew something was up, because she usually says that when she steals some, I'm like, so you knew this bitch had something with her, you knew that this is her MO, and you didn't say shit, like, you could have, you you didn't even be like, mom, put that shit back. We ain't got time with somebody. Like, she didn't say nothing. I could have got arrested with these white folks in a whole nother state, and she didn't say shit. God, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But, and the sad part is I, I went on to date her for, like, another two years. It was, it was a mess. The whole thing was a mess from start to finish. But, yeah. So, that's how I got arrested because a girl and her klepto mom and her klepto family. So as promised, we're talking about 2008's Quarantine, directed by John Dowdle, adapted from the, I want to say, I believe it's Spanish version, which is called Rec or Record, and also give that a view also because it's very good. But we start with Angela Vidal, camera woman, and her cameraman, Scott Percival, which, you know, I don't think they ever even say his name in the movie or his, no, I don't even think I've ever, no, they do say his first name, but they never say his last name, but, you know, I'm on Google and they're talking about the cast, but anyways, the lady that plays Angela, she's like a famous, I want to say like backup person or, you know, like, or supporting actress is what I mean, but, you know, she's been in a million movies. She always has these smaller roles, like a usually supporting actress, but, her name's Jennifer Carpenter. You've seen her and I don't even, I can't even remember a movie off the top of my head, but she's been in a million things. Okay, she played the girl that was like, uh, talking, tell me Tina or whatever from White Chicks. The girl that was like freaking out about her stomach. Yeah, that's her. And then the guy that plays Scott Percival, he, he's like, he plays a bad guy in almost every movie except this. He, if you ever watched what is it? Diary Diary of a Mad Black Woman, not the play, the movie. He's the guy, the husband that, you know, got shot and paralyzed and thrown in the tub. Him. He literally always plays a bad guy, but he's a good guy in this one. But anyways, we start with Angela and Scott. Like I said, Angela's the camera woman, or no, like she's like the anchor. I mean, she's the anchor. And she's doing a segment for her show called The Night Shift, talking about firemen and what they go through and what they do every night. And it's really quick, but um, in one of the scenes, you see Scott, sorry, you see Scott, he fixes her hair and it's, and she, you know, doesn't look like it's unwanted. Like it, and to me, it's implied that, you know, maybe they've had a flirtationship or, you know, maybe he wants something more. I mean, it's very, like I said, heavily, well, not even heavily, medium implied, but it, it kind of seems like they care about each other. 
So she meets with the fire chief, Bob, and he's telling her, you know, how most fire departments are basically ambulance now. And when you see the fire department go, you know, or you see the fire truck going somewhere, a lot of the times it's medical emergency versus a fire, which funny story, which is not a funny story, but I mean, it's a story. I didn't want to be a fire. I have so many aspirations. I did want to be a firewoman or fire person. But then I was looking into it and I mean, I didn't mind having to learn about fire science because that actually seems interesting, like learning to detect where and how a fire started. But with technology nowadays, yeah, you do have to become a paramedic because like like in the movie, you said like 85% of fire department calls are for medical emergency. So it's like, psh, I might as well just be a paramedic, which I didn't want to do. But yeah, I'm like with technology, you know, most places have sprinklers and fire detection and what is it? Um, carbon monoxide detection. Like, so the fire department, it's not phasing out, but it's just phasing in a different way. So, I mean, there's nothing really to do to become a firewoman. Like there's, I keep saying firewoman, fire person. There's, there's not many fires nowadays. The most fires I've seen are on the cars on the side of the highway. But anyways, back to the movie. She's talking to Bob. He's telling her, you know, the specifics about the job and how it's heading in a different direction, more medical versus fire. And then she meets up with two of the firemen called Jake and George. But George goes by his last name, Fletcher. So they take over from the chief, showing her around the fire department. And I don't know if Fletcher's beard is fake, but it looks so fake. Like, I'm... Someone needs to answer me that worked on set and tell me if he had, you know, a glue-on beard because it does not look real in the slightest. But from the jump, George is like trying to be very macho and very much in her face and kind of show off. And it's revealed later that he clearly wants to not even date her. He just wants to fuck her. But yeah, he he's being very extra and not even... I was gonna say not in, even in a cute way, but is there a cute way to be extra as a man? I'm I'm gonna say no. Angela, the whole time, you know that they're touring. She's so excited for a call. Like every time there's a call, I think there's like two or three calls that happen, but it's not for their group, so they don't, you know, they don't respond to it. But every time she's like, "Oh dang, you know, I wish that was us." This, that, and third, and. If hindsight was 20, you know, it's high, well, hindsight is 2020, but it's like, dang, like, girl, if you just happen to go to a different, uh, either a different department or even on a different day, you could have lived. But then again, we wouldn't have a movie. But Scott is getting some B-roll for the the segment and everybody's mic is still on and they overhear Fletcher talking about, you know, I'll bet me, I think he says like $10, $20 and I'll hit that. And Angela overhears it, of course, because like I said, everything is, everybody's mic is still on and Scott has the receiver to the mic. So he's hearing everything that's happening because he has to record it. And he overhears it. Well, they both overhear it, Scott and Angela. And, you know, she yells down, well, I'd like to take that bet. And I mean, he's not even phased. He's like, I know, I know how to hit the spot. 
And I'm just saying, like, and I get it, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a boys' culture. It's a fire department. You know, it's mostly men. They do have women. They, they even said that they do have women there. But it's mostly men at most fire departments and most firehouses. But still, just the level of unprofessionalism and the level of perverseness. Like, bruh, she's doing a job. Like, she, she's literally on the job, as are you. And you're hitting on her, and you're making bets. And I said $10. He's, I went back and watched, and he said $100. But, you know, he's making bets to fuck her, and, you know, he's being overtly sexual, and even, especially on camera, and it's just like, bruh. And all the guys are just laughing it off, and, you know, he's chuckling himself because, you, you know, he's a big man around campus, blah, blah, blah. It's just very cringy to watch. It's like, and I mean, later in the movie, he does die, thank God. But it's just like, Jesus, like, have some professionalism or even, and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemanry, chivalry, I don't know. Just be a fucking decent person, but... And even later on in the movie, he's like, firemen are known for courage and strength, not um, being gentlemen. But it's like, bruh, like, that's not sexy. It's not cute. And her and the other firewoman in there are not going to fuck you if you keep acting like this. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant. But I, I hate when men or people in general, because I've, I've seen women do this too. They'll act, they'll act like that. They will literally be like all macho and they'll be all in your face and they'll be overtly sexual and no type of charisma, no charm. They just think the fact that they're wanting you is enough. They, they think the fact that they sexually desire you is enough for you to not only want them, but damn it, you, at, and then they start feeling entitled. It's like, because I want you, now you got to give me something. It's it's the craziest thing. It's not sexy. It's not cute. It's happening more and more in both genders, but mostly men that I see. But like I said, I've, I've seen some women and non-binary and everything in between do it too. It's not cute, guys. Please. What, what does Twitter say? You're scaring the hoes. This is not the way to get women. It's not the way to get men. It's not the way to get anybody. It's not cute. It's not sexy. But finally, after they're done touring, um, they play a little basketball, they eat, they view some of the firemen's rooms that they have to stay in because they do 48-hour shifts. After all that, she finally gets the call she's been desperately waiting for. They get a call that they're, they're needed on scene. And something I noticed, and thank God for subtitles, every once in a while, Scott will call her baby. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's sly things to imply that they there's a flirtationship between them, Angela and Scott. Or you know, maybe they maybe they at one point did try to go out, or you know, I don't know the backstory. But there's there's subtle things to to let the viewer know that there's something more than a professional relationship going on here. So they're riding in the fire truck, and they finally pull up at the building, and the owner of the building is waiting outside for him and they grab some axes and I think door like opener like a door uh, not jammer but you know that heavy ass like fucking hammer that opens the doors then you know they grab some equipment they go in the building as soon as they all walk in the fireman Angela Scott the building owner you hear these loud like clanking noises and you know the owner just says that it's a very old building that's just how it sounds sometimes but we find out later that 
there's something in their like top floor attic apartment and that's what I'm thinking it is I mean it was never confirmed exactly but that's what I'm thinking it is now that I'm rewatching this movie but they get in there's already some cops on scene and they're you know trying to settle everyone and they're trying to get the firemen up to the the apartment because a older woman Miss Espinosa was screaming and you know everybody got worried so that's why they called and you know we get up there and on the way up the stairs we meet the two cops one played by Columbus Short named Danny and the other one named James and you can tell right off the bat Columbus Short's cop Danny he's just a dick so they finally get to the door and it looks like it's on maybe the second or third floor and they end up having to ask the building owner to get their keys to open the door because you know they don't want to knock it down or he doesn't want them to knock it down because of course he's the owner he doesn't want to have to replace it which is understandable but his locks end up not working or his key ends up not working for the lock so you know he says that she probably added some locks on the inside so they end up having to bust open the door anyways so they get in they're making well they're slowly you know creeping up and making their way closer to Mrs. Espinosa, a dog runs past them, and, you know, he's barking, and he just runs out, and we see Mrs. Espinosa, she's in the dark, just, like, kind of swaying there, and she's looking kind of feral, and she's foaming at the mouth and everything, and, you know, they're, like, trying to calm her down, you know, we're here, we're here to help you, just let us help you. The funny thing is, to me, I only see one person putting on a pair of gloves. Like, most of the firemen, and even the police are supposed to know, you know, if, if they're answering to a medical emergency, especially if they see bodily fluids, which she clearly has, she's foaming at the mouth, they know to put on gloves. Like, you don't have to just be an RN to know that. Like, like they said, most of the firemen are paramedics also, and police have basic training and, like, you know, CPR and all that shit, or they're supposed to. And like I said, only one of these guys is putting on a glove, and he's the one in the back. He's the least likely, the least likely to even touch her. So Scott turns the light on, trying to see better, and she freaks out. That's when I start screaming. She's like, "Oh shit!" And you know, everybody tells him to turn the light off, which he does. And you can see her uh, even better. You know, of course, with the light on. You know, she has some blood around the rim of her shirt or the collar of her shirt, and you know, she just has foam all down her face and saliva. And it looks like she's still in the transition infection because they're asking her, are you okay? Are you hurt? And, you know, she's able to answer some of the time, you know, some of the time she's saying, no, no, no. And they're like, you know, can we help you? And she's able to say, no, I'm not okay. So she's still transitioning into infection. Finally, someone, and I think it was Jake, or at least it sounded like him, tells everyone, you know, gloves on. While they're gloving up, she lunges at him, and they, they're they able to calm her down that first time. They're like, no, 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 calm down. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, she steps back, and you, she's taking a breath a little bit. Like I said, she's still in the transition because she's still halfway in her right mind. Like, she's, you you can see by second by second, she's losing that fight. But she still has somewhat of her right mind during her, you know, wherewithals with her. Wherewithals? I don't know. Sounds right. 
So James and Danny are trying to clear the scene to calm her down. James turns around, and that's when she takes her t- her chance to lunge at him, bites him. It looks like she bites him like on the top of the dome, like in the hair area. That oh, that's so nasty. But I mean, and I'm thinking about this as a person and not like an infected, about to be zombie, but still like oh, eating someone's scalp, ugh, the hair. Anyways, so he's down, damn near down for the count because she's overpowered him at this point he's on the floor danny has to come pull her off danny and the fireman and when they pull her back you can see that she actually got like his neck and damn near carotid area but when she lunged it looked like she was on the side top of his head but anyways regardless just oh can you just imagine like i'd rather be bit by a dog personally than a human like those germs all that germs in her mouth and she was foaming at the mouth and now you got all that oh oh my god just disgusting so they pulled the woman off and kind of threw her over and danny columbus shorts character is the worst well and i was i want to say the worst cop but i feel like all cops never know what to do in a situation like he's like no we're going we're not moving him we're going to keep him right here until an ambulance comes and they're like bruh there's ambulance outside he has a bite he can still walk halfway and if he can't we are three men we can lift him and take him to help why would you let him bleed out like and finally he's like oh oh, okay okay We'll, we'll move him on three grab his arm like are you dumb and then you haven't even secured the dangerous person that just injured your guy. Yet you're talking about we're keeping him here where the danger is. Like, poli- that's why police need to be abolished. Because they're all dumbasses. So finally, one of the other firemen secure, not not Jake or James. It's one from a different department. He secures her, but not really even secures her. She's just down for the count. She's laying on the floor. He grabs his medical bag and he's about to start attending to her, but she's not really secure. And he looks like he's the only one up there because they're taking the fallen cop down. Angela and Scott are following them. I mean, it was it was a recipe from for a fucking disaster from the jump. And of course, Angela being the anchor woman, whatever you want to call her that she is, she's like, tape everything. You know, she <laughs> damn near doesn't even care that this guy is about to die. She's just like, this is quality footage. That's She's just thinking about her, you know, money shot, basically. Everybody gets downstairs and the tenants are still downstairs. So everybody at this point is rushing to the door and they let them know like, hey, we're not able to get out. Like we've been trying to get out and shoot. Now they're trying to get the cop out and they realize the doors aren't opening. And, you know, the owner says, hey, this isn't me. The doors are locked from the outside. I can't open it either. So now now they understand like, oh, shit. Like I feel like everybody gets a sense of shit's about to get real. So Jake's banging on the door. The cop, uh, Columbus Short, is, you know, calling over his CT like, I I have an officer down. I need help. I need ambulance. No one's answering the door. No one's answering his CT. They finally find that there's a vet that is one of the tenants, and he's tending to the cop. And why is there always a vet on? I mean, and I've never met a vet. Like, that's kind of a dying profession. Like... 
even nowadays, like the the veterinary offices are very few and far between. And I also think that's why there's such a wait time when you when you are at the veterinary office because there's only one in house. You'll be you're lucked up if you have a veterinary office with two veterinarians. There's always like a million vet techs running around, but you rarely have more than one vet, like actual actual veterinarian on scene. But anyways, and even in Walking Dead, Herschel, vet. But okay, so the vets tend into the cop and they hear someone from the outside over a megaphone telling them, you know, we're working hard to get you out the building. There's, there's a cop in there. Listen to his instructions. And they were already yelling at the cop before, Danny. But now they're really like, they said, listen to you. So I need some answers. But at the same time, and you know, I'll fuck with cops. But at the same time, he is making sense. He's like, I'm locked in here with y'all. Why would I be lying to you about the information I knew? I'm trying to get out as much as y'all are trying to get out. Why would I, if anything, if I knew a way to get out, wouldn't I be up and sneaking away instead of here trying to help my man get out with the rest of you like in that sense he made some sense because I'm just like they're yelling at him but if and I get to everyone's panic they have you know a lady that was yelling up on two or three whatever floor and now you got a cop that's down and you're locked in I get there's a lot going on but it's like if someone would just sit back and just take a breath and think there's no way he could have had more information than any of them did if he did he would not be there but as soon as I want to give him some credit here he goes fucking up Danny realizes that he's still being filmed he's like get the camera out of here I'm sick of it being here bro you have a downed cop we're all locked in and we still have a situation on floor two or three with the lady who caused the injury you have a lot more to deal with than this fucking camera please keep your priorities in check and then he's like I'm in charge here I'm telling you to cut off the camera bruh fuck you and that little what's it called badge fuck you and that badge and that gun at this point you're honestly outnumbered if they wanted to take you down they could but at this point it's a free-for-all we're all doing whatever we can to live which they don't know it in this moment but they will soon but anyways fuck you they just because they said out there to listen to your directions you're not making any sense and you're not even giving us any directions we're trying to live so fuck you and whatever authority you thought you had they find out that there is a second exit through a textile shop that is in the back of the building and they're about to open these like metal gates to get to it and as soon as they're about to Fletcher comes falling from looks like fucking heaven and crashes down which he was only on the third floor like she would have had to push him with some force i'm just thinking about this now like and even second or third floor like you would have really had to throw him with like some sort of extreme force because he came down like he was going 60 miles per hour if you just even if someone were to push you over the rail from the third floor you're not gonna come down that hard so i'm just saying that's a well we saw that she was strong ass woman shit she took down one cop and now she took down a fucking fireman but yeah she clearly fucking threw his ass over the rail fletcher he's still breathing he's alive he just has 
a mangled fucking neck and back. And even if he were to come, you know, or I was going to say come back alive, but even if he were to heal, my man is disabled now. There's no way his his whole spine, vertebrae, all that shit is fucked up. There's no way he would have been walking after that. And then Danny, the cop, again, I don't know where this man did his training, but even in, and I was a lifeguard, even as a lifeguard, they teach you if you have a head and neck injury, you keep that as straight and in the angle that, you know, the injury happened as you can. He's like, we got to move him. We got to move. And he starts trying to pull on him. Bro, you see that his neck is like, it looks like it's about to come off. Like you see his head is damn near at a severe angle. Like it's about to come off his shoulders and you're trying to pull him to get him up without even putting on a neck brace or any type of like straightening anything. Where is this man getting his fucking training? Now the vet has to go from the cop to Fletcher, you know, checking on his wounds and Danny and Jake and Angela and Scott. So four people, they're rushing upstairs to see what happened. So before Angela and Scott can go upstairs, Danny tells them, you know, not y'all, y'all stay down here. And then the camera cuts. We come back and I'm guessing this is after they already checked on the woman that pushed Fletcher because Angela and Scott sneak back upstairs because they hear something and it's in the old woman Espinosa's apartment. They hear some glass shattering. They hear like, you know, some like little grunts or whatever. They go in there and one of, and I'm guessing it's a tenant because I never saw her before. Like she was never anywhere else in a scene or them or her caretaker or something. I don't know who the lady was, but it wasn't Miss Espinosa. She comes running at Scott and hits the table and like knocks her head a little bit and then falls down and Jake hears it I'm guessing from the first floor because he had he ran back into the room and you know pushes him out the way and checks on her and says you know the the lady is dead but again where did he come from like I said this must have been the camera cut so it must have been they checked on the old lady Espinosa secured her And then they went back downstairs, and then, like I said, Angela and Scott snuck back upstairs to see what was happening, but who is that lady? Was she in that apartment the whole time? Because like I said, I didn't see her before, and she looks a little bit younger, so that's why I'm saying maybe she was a caretaker, but then out of nowhere, Danny, the cop, comes, and he, it looks like he was in a separate room in the apartment of Miss Espinosa's, a different room than the lady, I'm going to call her the caretaker, than the caretaker came from. So it's like, what were you doing in that room? Why was Jake back downstairs? And then Miss Espinosa comes from the kitchen area where she attacked Fletcher. It's like, weren't you supposed to be up there securing her why are you in this opposite room where the fuck did that lady come from and why is miss espinosa still not secure and now she had blood all down her face i'm guessing from fletcher and possibly no i didn't see any blood on the caretaker so i'm very confused i mean maybe there were some cut scenes or i'm there had to be some cut scenes because it's not making sense right now but we're gonna we're gonna roll with it so now miss espinosa is 
fully infected. She's like kind of like swaying back and forth. It, it kind of looks like she's checking out her prey, you know. But you can tell she all that itty bitty piece of humanity that she had before is gone. She's completely infected. And, you know, Danny's telling her, put your hands up, you know, stay right there, just stay back, put your hands up, and she just comes lunging for him. He has to shoot her, and I mean, I don't blame him, but after you saw that she killed or attacked Fletcher, after you saw that she attacked the cop and possibly attacked the caretaker, he just shoots her in the chest. She is too violent at this point, headshot. Had even if even like at this point they don't know anything about this zombie whatever virus that's going on, but she's possibly killed or severely injured three people. Headshot, take her down. Y'all don't you still haven't put her in cuffs? So I'm guessing that isn't even on anyone's radar. You're not trying to secure, just kill her. And again, reason number 5,221, why we need to abolish cops, because he's clearly shaken. He had to shoot the lady, uh, Miss Espinosa. And he turns around, you know, Jake's telling him, calm down, put the gun down, let's go downstairs, let you know, woosah. He sees the camera, he starts going crazy trying to attack Scott the cameraman. And I get that you're irritated that this camera is in your face, but you're a cop, you were supposed to, especially you have people's lives in your hands because you have a deadly weapon, and you're freaking out because of camera. How does that make sense? So at this point, Jake is going door to door telling everybody we need to, we need y'all to gather downstairs in the atrium, and they come across this guy, and he's not named, or at least I don't remember his name, I'm sure I could look it up, but anyways, he's seems a little drunk and belligerent and he's like you know why is there a fire and he's like you know jake's telling him no it's not it's just a precaution and he's like what if i don't want to go and danny responds i'd be forced to force you but and it's touched on later the drunk guy he's making some sense because later he says if there's some sort of virus or bug going around that's making these people violent this that and the third why are we all gathered together if we don't know how it spread what's causing it why are we all in one room like and he's surprisingly making sense to be the guy that's under the influence of drugs drink whatever or maybe he's just in a bad fucking mood who knows but he's making some sense like had everyone just lock their doors hold up in their own individual apartments there wouldn't be nearly as many zombies running around to kill people or injure or infect people. So they get to a tenant and she's acting very eerily similar to Miss Espinosa. You know, she's withdrawn. She's very unresponsive or limited response. She's foaming at the mouth. And again, no one's wearing gloves. And Jake asks Angela to help get her downstairs Angela's like sure and first of all I'd be like fuck no I'm not an ambulance I'm not a fireman I'm not a cop good luck to you like no I'm not helping you and you're not providing me with a mask or gloves and I'm touching this woman who looks infected fuck no that's just me though but they help her downstairs and then as Scott is behind them leaving. A rat runs toward like runs straight towards them you know rats are very 
skittish you know usually they run off and you know do their own thing or try to get away from things bigger especially humans except in france you know they're i, I didn't know france had many so many rats i saw a video they were swarming oh it's disgusting but anyways most rats are skittish this one was coming right for scott and he had to step on it and kill it and you know he's freaking out because he's like what the fuck this is not normal and angela kind of brushes it off but you know it's giving not the impression but it's uh, it's letting the audience know that this virus is is broad spectrum it's uh, it's affecting humans dogs rats shit if there was a bird in there it'd be a bird if there was a bat it'd be a bat this zombie virus is not what's the word discriminatory it, it doesn't care if you're a human or animal it's coming for you they get the lady downstairs and again here goes danny with his non-thinking cop ass he they open up the little what's it called um i was about to say wooden metal gate to the fabric area where like i said earlier there's another exit they're trying to find an exit because at this point you got one you got two dead people miss espinosa and the caretaker you got the cop that is severely injured you have fletcher that is severely injured and you have a severely sick woman that they just found in an apartment whatever the fuck and they're trying to get these people help and he, he like pushes jake back he's like we are under strict orders to stay in the atrium what is that helping we have one vet no medicine and too many dead and sick people what the fuck is staying in the atrium gonna do for anyone and rightfully jake is like fuck your orders i'm my friend is dying and at this point your cop friend is dying or already dead did you forget about that so there he pushes them back he pushes danny back and he's going to find the exit but again what sense would that make for them to stay with all these sick and dying people in the atrium with no help coming abolish cops we gotta do it we need to do it even in movies they get through the fabric shop and danny's about to bust open the door with, with the hammer and as soon as he lifts up the hammer to bust the door this and it looks well, no, I was going to say SWAT. I don't know what they are, but uh, people with guns are outside of the glass door holding guns up to them. Like, you know, stop, stop where you are, stay in the building. It's like, fuck. So they're all freaking out because, of course, you know, you have all these guns. And it's not just one gun with the rifle. It's one gun. It's not just one guy with the rifle. It's multiple guys all around the building surrounding them pointing guns at them they end up saran wrapping the building and i say saran wrap but it's like you know that heavy plastic to keep the infection and the virus inside after they see the saran wrap go up and around the building they hear the megaphone again telling them do not try to leave the building you know we will get help as soon as we can just stay there listen to the police or whoever is in charge blah 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 and of course people are not even giving a fuck they're like why are they sealing us in they've locked the doors we don't even have any help and we have this dumbass cop to listen to i'd be freaked out too so they all walk back to the atrium and everybody starts calling people jake's calling i'm guessing his supervisor or someone someone on the outside everybody trying to call someone and then the phones drop nobody's able to get any signal nobody's able to make a call out or get one in 
Angela ends up listening to Jake's mic because, you know, he's still mic'd up for the show and overhears that it's a BNC. She goes up to him and asks, you know, what is a BNC? Why are they calling this a BNC? And, you know, everybody overhears them because she's yelling, of course. And the cop is even like, you know, they're calling this a BNC. Like, damn, like, this must be serious. And, you know, he lets, Jake lets them know, like, it's a biological or nuclear threat. And, you know, everybody's freaking like biological nuclear. What the what the fuck? And he's like, you know, it's more common than you think. And everybody's like, that is not reassuring. Like that shit still sounds scary. So they all start arguing, and the cop wants everyone that's arguing to step close to him so he can calm them down or answer their questions, whatever would have you. And while he's doing that, the owner slips over to Jake and lets him know, like, hey, there might be a third exit you know, on the sly, let, you know, do you want to go check it out? So they go upstairs and even though they're quiet and they keep the lights off and, you know, they sneak into the room, as soon as they get close to the glass, the guys with the rifle pointing at them again and they're like, say the same thing, stay in the building, listen to whoever's there and saran wrap the building again and angela before they saran wrapped it it was like hey you know we have a camera in here you know people are gonna find out what's happening and you know just trying to plead with them to let them out because they're there's one there's people that are sick and hurt and she just wants to get the fuck out of there danny overhears them and runs upstairs and he's like you know what's going on and angela tells them or no jake who was once the level-headed guy saying you know you knew about this and he must be freaking out because how would that make sense and Angela's like you know what's going on and he Jake or sorry Danny the cop even asked you know what's going on and Angela pushes him and you know it's like you tell us and he's like yo I don't know what the fuck is going on but keep your hands off me and rightfully so like bitch I, I could shoot your ass do not touch me and even if I didn't have a gun, still don't fucking touch me. And for Jake, who's freaking the fuck out, one, I'd be like, oh, where's Mr. Levelheaded? Where'd he go? Now you yelling at me. And two, bruh, why the fuck would I be in here with y'all while we're locked up? If I knew how to get out, I would be out of here. The same way you snuck up here, I would be sneaking out. Even if I didn't tell nobody or if I did or what have you, I would not be here. I would not be stuck in here locked with y'all if there was a way to get out that I knew of. Like, make it make sense. And again, I get everyone's freaking out. Everyone's riled up. They're all stuck in there. But it's just like, Jake, you were the last voice of reason. Please use some sense. But after a little yelling and prodding and pushing, here goes Danny once again, freaking the fuck out about the camera, about people yelling at him. He's not able to handle pressure. He takes out his gun and starts waving it at people. And it's like, one, you're three to one. And a, fi- a gun only fires so fast. Like, if they really wanted to fuck you up and take that gun from you, they could, for one. Yes, someone would probably die. But just saying, it's possible. But two, bruh, they weren't even like, nagging you or like pushing your buttons for more than 10 seconds and here you are waving a fucking gun abolish the cops at this point they move all the injured and sick people to the fabric or textile room and the vet's checking them over and you know getting them all patched up as best he can and then we see the little girl her name's brianna and you know the mom's been complaining that she's been sick this whole time she has a fever and the father is outside with antibiotics for her. 
And I just learned that this is Joey King. If y'all have seen the act, she plays, what is her name? Gypsy Blanchard, that who is depicted after the real Gypsy Blanchard. But either way, the story is crazy. The show I'm talking about is called The Act. It's on Hulu. And there's a documentary on HBO Max, I believe, called Mommy Dead and Dearest. Like I said, the story is nuts. You gotta listen to it or listen to it. You gotta watch it. But anyways, back to the movie. Brianna is sick and she's telling them that, you know, she's been sick and the mother keeps cutting in saying confirming what the little girl is saying but anyway she's uh, also tells them that her dog was sick and that the dog had to be put in the vet because you know he wasn't feeling well so after she's done talking to Brianna and Brianna's mom she starts just interviewing some of the tenants around the building and as she's doing that Fletcher who unbeknownst to them is fully infected completely infected he's a zombie now gets up and he's shambling towards them and everyone's freaking out because he has like this broken leg broken back and they're just like what how the fuck is he getting up and walking but again they don't know that he's a reanimated corpse at this point but you know um the vet shoots him with some well, I don't know what it is. I thought they would say it. I try. I went back and I watched it and he doesn't say what he shoots Fletcher with, but basically a tranquilizer and they put him back down and, you know, he's freaking out because he's like, yo, I've, I've seen this, but I haven't seen it to this degree and not in a human because we have vaccines, but he lets them know, like, this is rabies. Like, the foaming at the mouth, the drooling, the lethargy, this is rabies. And he lets them know because Angela's like, you know, isn't rabies just spread through bites? And he's like, no, it can be spread through blood, saliva, mucous membranes. Like, you know, if you get their blood on you and you don't have any open wounds, you're fine. But if it gets into a cut or an open wound or your eyes or your mouth, like you're going to get what they have. You're not going to be okay. And something that I forgot until I rewatched this movie, you know, the vets let him know, like, this is 100% fatal, like, they're going to die, which he doesn't know that they're already dead, they're zombies, but, you know, he lets them know, like, they're gonna die, and she's like, no, uh, or Angela's like, no, you know, people get a shot in their stomach, and that's how you cure rabies, and the vets, the vet let them know, like, no, that's only before symptoms start. Once symptoms start, if you don't get that vaccine, you're going to die. And the drunk, who I now know named is Andy, or no, Randy. And he lets them know, like I was saying before, um, why are we in this big fucking group? Like he tries to go upstairs and the cop tries to stop him. And he's like, bruh, if this is spreading, if this is a virus that spreads, why the fuck are we all in this dense ass group in this itty bitty ass space like that doesn't make sense and he lets him know like i have a god-given right to protect myself which i mean like i said the only one really making some sense here is jake the fucking fireman and randy the drunk everybody else variable angela scott and two of the tenants try to sneak upstairs because they find out that they the tenant doesn't have, you know, regular cable. He has old school rabbit ear, you know, antenna TV. So they're trying to see what's happening. And unfortunately, the guy that is making the most sense, Randy, also tries to go upstairs at the same time because 
the group, the tenants and, you know, Angela and um, Scott try to, well, no, they do take the stairs and they're met with the dog that ran out of Miss Espinosa's house. And he's a rabid. He, you know, he looks like he's about to kill. And as soon as, you know, they see him and he's about to start lunging, the elevator dings and here comes Randy. And he goes for Randy because that's the one who startled him and, you know, probably triggered his fight or flight, which for a rabbit animal is only fight and is the closer prey. So they finally get to the tenant's room with the antenna TV and they see that it's been broadcasting that the issues under control all the people that were in the building are now out and safe which of course we know is not true and as soon as they realize that the world or you know the local people or whoever is watching that segment of the news is being lied to they cut off the power and when it gets dark because the power went out the tenant that was sick they see her stumbling in the room even though they closed the door behind them but they must not have locked the door clearly but she stumbles in the room and we learn her name is Elise and she stumbles in the room and everybody's freaked out clearly because I mean like she was just downstairs with the rest of the sick people so you don't expect to see her there but anyways Scott ends up having to beat her and kill her with his camera which is I'm I can't even picture how traumatizing that is also, that's one durable ass camera because he like was really knocking her the fuck out with that camera lens and nothing broke. The sound went out like once or twice, but came back in. So he, he I'm sure he paid some good money for that camera. And Angela ends up asking like the dumbest question, which I myself always ask people at the worst times, like, are you OK? And he's like, well, bitch, I just killed someone with my camera. Do you think I'm OK? And she's like, I'm with you. I'm here with you. Like, yeah, we are going through this at the same time. But also, I, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for your ass. We had to pay this fire department. We could have gone on any other night, any other department. And you were just so gung-ho to go on a fucking call when all we had to do was film the fire department, film them sleeping, film them cooking, film them playing basketball. We could have been home scot-free. And while they're trying to comfort each other, you see Miss Espinosa like walk across the uh, upper stair, which we get that he couldn't see. Scott couldn't see it because his back was turned. But how the hell did Angela miss that? Like it was one floor above them. If the camera could see it, her peripheral should be able to notice something moving. So now we're all back at the atrium, or no, sorry, we're all back at the fabric textile little shop, and Danny the cop lets them know that, you know, the CDC is coming in, they're going to do some blood samples on everyone, and then after they get some answers, they should be able, everyone should be able to go. But the vet pipes up, and he's like, bruh, no, that's not how that works. Rabies, you have to get a brain culture, you have to get a brain sample, like, you, you can't just test for it in the blood. And the cop is like, who said anything about rabies and the vet lets you know like bruh I told you I'm letting you know that I'm classifying this as rabies I've seen it enough time and enough animals to know what it is even though it's jumped species it's the literal same symptoms like you can't fool me and the cop is getting all pissed he's like bruh shut up just stop talking like well you want me to stop talking but I'm trying to tell the truth and you're trying to lie to everyone just to calm them down which is what cops do and government but you know another time 
So they're all taking basically a roll call and saying, you know, trying to say who's here, who's not, blah, blah. And this racist bitch, the owner, the building owner's wife, you know, when it gets to the African couple, you know, they let them know that their father is still up in the room. He's paralyzed. You know, that's why he's not down here. And here the owner's wife go, maybe it's his fault. Bitch. He's been up there paralyzed for what I'm guessing is the entire time they've rented. You haven't had a virus this whole time they've rented, but now you think it's a black paralyzed guy's fault? Like, girl, fuck you. And your ugly ass building. Then they call out the attic and they let them know that there is someone technically that lives in the attic, but, you know, he's not here most of the time. He travels a lot. And as they're still doing role, you know, one of the tenants says, you know, if her father's up there, shouldn't we bring him down so he'll be safe? You know, if we're talking about safety and numbers and where we can see each other, like, why are we excluding the disabled person? And the Brianna's mom, the sick little girl's mom is like, no, we're not going to bring him down here. We can't be bringing sick people down here. And he pops up. He's like, bitch, ain't your daughter sick? Hasn't she been sick? Like, how we know you're not the cause of all this. You and your sick-ass daughter and your sick-ass dog and your probably sick-ass husband. Like, white people be having the audacity and not even just white people, but just speaking on disabilities, like, people always be, you know, trying to make disabled people the second-rate citizen. Like, excuse the fuck out of you. You could be, and I was about to start getting into a COVID rant, but another time, back to the movie. So we find out that the lady from earlier that I thought was Espinosa's caregiver is the cleaning lady. She's the building cleaning lady. And I guess she was cleaning up after, you know, the Espinosa incident, trying to clean up the blood and vomit and, you know, spit and all that stuff. Ended up getting infected from Espinosa. But also, why was she in there while Espinosa was still in the building? Like, I get you want to clean and hurry up and get your job done with, but girl... The dangerous person is still in the unit. You can't just be cleaning around. Like, so the CDC, y'all, I was talking for like a good 20 minutes just now. Didn't even press record. God, I, I got to get used to this podcasting thing. I'm still learning. But anyways, so CDC comes in. They're fully hazmat suited up and they have rifles with them. And, you know, they don't want to be film so they tell scott to turn it off and they go to the back textile area where all the sick people are and how exactly did elise escape because the cop the fireman and the vet were supposed to be with all the sick people so how did elise escape in the first place it's probably in a deleted scene or a scene that got cut or you know something like that but anyways they're back there they close the door so they can't see but Angela ends up finding or Angela and Scott end up finding this little window for him to put his you know camera in to film everything and they see that the CDC is getting brain cultures from all of the sick people so it's confirmed rabies the vet was not lying and the way they're taking this brain sample like it's just in the middle of the brain like it this is gonna cause any on anyone taking a sample like that would cause brain damage and the fact that jake is just standing by the side like oh oh, you know you do what you gotta do cdc like bro you don't care that they're effectively killing your friend like even if he wasn't a zombie he's now brain dead like 
and I get this the CDC, you know, you, you feel like you should trust them and they know what they're doing, but damn. And now that he's effectively killed the friend, what I'm guessing happened is Fletcher is now completely a zombie. Like, you know, he was infected and they gave him a shot to like, I want to say, I know I'm thinking of hydrocortisone, but you know, that's to soothe rashes and shit, not knock people out. But anyways, they gave him a shot to calm him down, which in my mind, I'm thinking like kind of staved off the infection somehow. But once he drilled the hole and got the brain sample and effectively killed him, he immediately came back and started killing people because in my mind now he's like any zombie once they're dead or you know once they're actually dead they that's when they come back as zombies like you can bite someone and I'm talking in the traditional zombie sense you bite someone and they are infected and the infected is going through them but until the infection runs its course and kills the person they're not a full zombie they're just an infected person so this is what I'm guessing has happened to Fletcher he was infected as soon as he died because of the way that, you know, they drilled into his brain. That's when he came back as a full-fledged zombie. And for some reason, all the sick people, well, it was only two of them, but because uh, Elise is dead. But the cop and the fireman decide to turn at the same time. I don't, it's not shown that both were getting a brain sample at the same time, but that would make the most sense as far as them attacking at the same time because you know that's just very peculiar for them to immediately turn at the same time so yeah i'm guessing off screen the other cdc guy was giving him a brain sample killed him also him being the cop so angela and scott witnessing this start to run they meet just around the corner with jake and the cop who got out and one of the cdc guys but the vet is still in the room. The CDC guy closed the door and the vet's like, yo, I haven't been bitten. Let me out. I'm, 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 fri- I'm fine. I'm, you know, not infected. And the CDC guy's like, no, we cannot trust him. He, it's, he's compromised. Like, we can't, we have to stop the spread of the infection. We got to leave men there. So now is when all hell is breaking loose. Lawrence, the CDC guy said that he saw Lawrence, the vet get infected he saw him get bitten that's why he closed the door on him immediately after that someone we we don't see who starts breaking through the glass but we're assuming it's the vet and then you know all four of them the cdc guy danny the cop jake angela and scott so five i said four five of them they all leave the textile shop they close the metal gate and that's officially when hell starts breaking loose because I'm guessing the zombies broke out of their uh, out of the room because you start hearing multiple banging on the gate and they're like, yo, CDC guy, what the fuck is going on? You, you got people infected, you're taking brain cultures, you know, this stuff is spreading. What is going on? And he lets them know, he lets them know that, you know, they got a call from a vet the animal was displaying, you know, signs of unnatural rage and, you know, signs and symptoms of something that they had never heard of and seen before. And it was traced back to that building, traced back to Max, Brianna's dog, the sick little girl. And everybody's like looking like, oh, hell no. 
this bitch was just talking about the African people's dad and she's patient zero. Her, her kid and her dog are patient zero. And the mom who's at this point in denial is backing up because they're all, you know, like coming toward her like, yo, we're about to kill you and your sick chit, your sick kid. Like, we can't risk this shit. We've already lost too many people. You're patient zero. Let's cut this shit out at the root. And she's, you know, backing up. And, you know, she's like, Brianna only has bronchitis. And they're like, bruh, stop the lies. We, we know now. We know what's going on. And she, you know, just keeps denying it and, you know, pulls her daughter closer to her. And Brianna takes the hugest chomp out of her mom's cheek. Like, this is why I'll never have kids. They always turn on you. You, you. you never get back as much as you put in, as you can see. She takes a chomp out of the mom's cheek. The mom, still in denial, even though being attacked by her daughter, lets the kid go, lets the sick zombie kid go tells her run beyond brianna run bitch you have fucked us all we everyone that was infected was either dead because they got killed or they're behind the metal gate the only person that was infected still was your kid that you have now let run loose in this building so as she's running, the African people are like, yo, my father's up there. And the CDC's like, well, fuck, I thought you said everyone was down here. But they let him know, like, he's paralyzed. We couldn't have moved him. But he hands Jake a syringe and he's like, you know, you see the girl, go find her, inject her with this, and then bring everyone down here. And honestly, if I was Jake, I'd be like, nigga, first, I don't even know what this is. You're the medical professional. You shoot her up with whatever the fuck this is. What you putting me in harm's way for? So the cop, the firefighter, Angela and Scott head up and trying to find the little girl. They go into Miss Espinosa's apartment and they see Miss Espinosa is still dead. You know, she got shot, but the cleaning lady is gone. And, oh, I said earlier that it was a clean, it, but she had white on. See, guys, if you watch this movie, Miss Espinosa is in a white house dress. The cleaner lady is in a blue house dress. When, what's his name? When Scott was killed, the lady with the camera, and you know, he couldn't see the lady walking in the beams or in the upstairs walkway, the lady had a white dress. So you would think it's Miss Espinosa, correct? Tell me I'm wrong. But anyways. They're in there, they're trying to find the little girl. And honestly, why not just shoot her? Like, fuck that, fuck that kid. And it's not even their kid. I'd shoot her at point blank in the head. We know that this is a fatal and highly contagious virus. The only person that's now infected, if they would have shot the little girl, is the mom. And the they handcuffed the mom to the railing because she got bit and because she's so freaked out that her kid is sick and now loose in the apartment shoot shoot the girl and honestly i'd have shot the mom too because at this point i'm not risking nothing but anyways so they're looking around the apartment for brianna and angela notices her notices her in the closet and they're speaking you know they're like you know get this do this blah 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 and Danny, the cop, he literally turns from the little girl, you know, trying to get the syringe. He turns to grab the syringe instead of just 
looking at the little girl and putting his hand behind his back. And that's when she pounces on him. Now he's gone, just like his partner. Like, bruh, did you not learn anything? This is exactly how your partner got jumped on by Miss Espinosa. I just, it's frustrating. Just, and you'd think I wouldn't care because he's a cop, but it's just like, bruh, at least learn from someone's mistakes. This is how your partner got killed in turn just a few hours earlier. All you had to do was keep your eyes on the girl and keep your hand, at least one, on your gun. Boom. You'd have made it. Once the cop is bitten, they start running out. And I was incorrect. It was Miss Espinosa that was running up on the other floor. It was the land, I mean, the cleaning lady that was still on the floor. I'm sorry, I got the colors mixed up as I was looking. But anyways, Miss Espinosa jumps out right before they get through the door the doorway and jake literally just pushes her down and smashes her skull with his big hammer that he used for you know busting down the doors fucked her up she's dead they run downstairs as they're running downstairs everybody is running upstairs because the vet and the two sick people are getting through the metal gate so Jake tries to help him he's trying to you know kick him and push him back under because they've lifted part of the freaking metal gate now and the vet is under there trying to get through but one of the African guys and Jake and one of the tenants is like trying to keep him back and push the gate back down they realize it's a lost hope like the gate is going to come up so everybody starts going back upstairs and as they're going back upstairs Angela is trying to get Brianna's mom out of the cuffs like she's infected yes she's still human right now but she's infected like girl she's a lost cause fuck her Scott has to pull her away like bruh she literally saying what I'm saying she's lost cause let's go they're they run back upstairs the mom Brianna's mom gets attacked by the cop the Africans went back to their apartment and locked the door hopefully they made it we we don't know I'm praying that they made it. You see the vet ran. He got somebody before they got into their apartment and closed the door. So Jake, Angela, and Scott are still running, just trying to find a safe spot at this point. So they make their way, they make their way to one of the, what's called vacant rooms or vacant apartments. It's the firefighter, Angela, Scott, the building owner and his wife, one of the tenants and his roommate. And they find out that the CDC guy is in there who lets them know that he's been bitten. So they close these glass doors. And as soon as they close the glass doors, they realize that the tenants, one of the tenants roommates is in there and she's bleeding. So duh, she's been bitten. But my guy has a big old sledgehammer. I would kill the roommate first. Make sure, you know, everybody turn their back so nothing gets in their eyes or their mouth kill her and then i'd go in the room and kill him and then i'd stay there but i mean honestly if this was angel i'd have just ran out i'd just go ahead and sit on the floor i don't got time for this shit y'all know i don't got to drive to stay alive just fuck it bite me let me turn into a zombie or just eat me alive i don't care but in the context of the movie kill the roommate kill the cdc guy stay in the room starve to death basically because they're not going to get you out yeah so they realize that everything's fucked 
who knows who's compromised because they still don't really know how it spread they know that it's by you know mucous membrane and all that but they don't know who's been bitten because anybody could lie as the roommate did the roommate said that she wasn't bitten and voila here she is about to kill everyone but as that chaos was going on the tenant the one that wasn't infected he is starting to go crazy because he's like they're about to kill my roommate you know which is his is his protege because he's an opera teacher that's his one of his students but you know he's like you're not gonna fucking touch her you know he's trying to get her help or he's just gone crazy he opens the window and he's like cuts the saran wrap he's trying to get out or not honestly no it didn't even look like he was trying to get out he was just trying to call for help and they shot him point blank between the eyes and honestly that was the most ethical most you know humane kill of this whole movie if i was them especially knowing that i'm going to be stuck in this building they're not going to come get me and it's either starve to death or be eaten or turned and start eating other people i put my head in the window too like go on to take me out let's let's do this quick and simple and pain-free mind you this whole time while all this stuff is going on angela keep calling scott she's like scott we're not gonna make it out of here scott they're not gonna let us alive let us out alive scott 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 i'm like bitch what do you want me to say what do you want me to do i have just as much power and knowledge as you i'm i can't save us and i can't save you and i can't save me and i don't know how to do any of that so stop calling my name leave me the fuck alone at this point So as they're all cramped up in like any corner of the room because, you know, they were shooting, the owner, the building owner tells them there might be another way out. It's like, bruh, why do you keep saying all this stuff at the most inopportune moment? You like, why not just tell us all of the exits that are even possible? no matter how hard, how convoluted, how whatever, why not tell us all the possible ways we could get out from the jump? You keep telling us after shit happens while our anxiety is at its peak. Like, bruh, you could have told us that I don't know how long ago. He says that, you know, there's a drain cover that goes to the sewer that we could possibly get out of. After the textile shop didn't work, why didn't you bring that up? So they know that they got to get the keys to the sewer system out of yuri's apartment yuri is the building owner so they can't remember where he lives so they go to downstairs to the mailboxes because you know it has the names and they see that the african guy is a zombie because he tried to get angela as she was going down the steps also why is angela like running down the steps in front of the guy with the weapon who is jake with the sledgehammer like girl he needs to be leading the pack but anyways the african guy tries to attack angela jake saves her and i'm just like damn but we don't know what happened to the wife we're hoping she makes it we'll see but anyways they find out where yuri's apartment is and on the way scott falls drops the camera and that's his first priority is to pick it up and jake is even telling him like man keep moving get up like bro fuck that camera that camera is of no use even if they find the footage like even if the cdc comes in or the government or whoever they're not gonna release that footage what what's the point of keeping it 
So they can't run back up the stairs because the lady that was cuffed to the stairs, Brianna's mom, they thought she was dead on the way down. She was, you know, on the floor. She wasn't moving. But when they turned back around, she was up and she's, you know, trying to grab at him, but she obviously can't reach him. So they end up just taking the elevator. And as soon as the elevator opens, Jake, you know, takes out the rabid dog and you see Fletcher is crawling trying to get to them he's still back toward the metal gate of the textile shop but he's you know kind of like army crawling with just his arms because his legs are broken and trying to reach them and (laughs) what's her name Angela presses the wrong button she presses two instead of three which is where they need to go 3b and as they're you know trying to figure out like why the door isn't closing and you know freaking out the cop runs or tries to get them while they're in the elevator but jake hits them with sledgehammer which thank god someone has some quick reflexes hits them with the sledgehammer we're hoping kills him but i think it just knocked them back a little bit but anyways they get up to two and since the elevator is running off auxiliary power instead of you know actual electricity it's going even slower to close while they're on two. So as it's just starting to close, the tenant that was upstairs in the room, the opera student, not the opera teacher, she comes running full force at Jake. But again, he has quick reflexes. He gets her, subdues her, he thinks he kills her, and they end up just trying to run upstairs. And like I said, thinks he kills her because as they're running upstairs, Scott and Jake take the lead and Angela's in the rear. And as she's running, Sadie gets back up. Well, that's her name, the opera student. Sadie gets back up, jumps on Angela, is trying to kill her. But now Scott and Jake team up to tag team and kind of choke and yoke her up to save Angela. And right after the little girl dies, I say little girl because if you watch the movie, she's like super petite and small. But after the opera student dies, Angela's freaking out. She's like, I've been bitten. I've been bitten. And Scott's like, I I saw it all. And I'm looking at you like there's no bites on you. You're fine. And she's just freaking out, which I get, especially if you feel like you, you know, you don't know if you were bitten. And especially if you think you were like, yeah, I'd be freaking out too. But I'm just like, bro, he he said that I'm looking at you. I see you. And and I saw what happened. You're not bitten. Get your ass up. We don't have time for this. And in the same sense, I'd be like, fuck her. I don't got time to try to convince you. If you want to have a mental breakdown while we're in the middle of damn near World War Three, like we don't have time. If you want to have a breakdown, peace out. Me and Jake are going to try to find safety and try to get to this damn sewer to stay alive. Hope you see us. Hope you make it. And now that they finally calmed Angela, they're running up another flight to get to, or it's kind of like the stairs are two flights before you actually get to the floor. So they're running up like the second part of the flight of stairs to get to three finally. And they see the African woman Oh, I swear, I've watched this movie a million times and I can't remember them. I can't remember that the African people were zombies, but apparently there were because the African lady jumps out, tries to get Scott. Jake pushes her over the rail and she falls, hits like damn near every fucking rail on the way down, which why did the African lady have to have such a violent death? Racism. But anyways, she is another one down, another one bites the dust. 
So now they finally make it to the building owner's door, 3B, and here comes Zombie Vet trying to, you know, kill him. But Jake takes him out like the badass he is. So Angela's searching around the apartment. Jake's basically guarding the door, and Scott is shining the light for her to see. But that could have been basically a needle in a haystack. Like trying to find the key. It, it could have took them hours. Like, she's looking in all, well, mostly the right place. She ended up looking up, like, his uh, underwear drawer because she's freaking out. But, you know, what if he just happened to have it in his underwear drawer or his coat pocket that's on, you know, hanger in his closet? Like, nobody knows. That key could have been anywhere. But she eventually finds it. So Jake lets them know once they find the keys, like, hey, we got to go down three flights of steps. We don't know how many zombies are left. You know, I need you to be quiet. I need everyone to stay together. You know, he's like, I just need a minute to catch my breath because at this point he's been killing everybody like my boy is tired. So they take a minute before they actually head out. And as soon as they open the goddamn door, here comes the zombie building odor, takes out Jake. I'm just like, damn. He did all that fighting, did all that work, all that perseverance, all that saving just to get taken out in the 11th hour. Like, damn. So Angela is about to keep running. But luckily, Scott is like, yo, look down. Like they see the cop. They see the drunk Randy. So he's like, yo, we got to go up. There's no way we can go down. So they end up finally making it to the attic and that's where that you know basically vacant not vacant apartment but vacant owner lord i'm kind of stuffy i can't vacant okay there it is the bank see i i keep getting stuffed up saying the word but anyways the owner that is rarely there the one that they said was from boston and he travels a lot so you know the the unit is basically vacant boom got it and on the way up, they see the building owner's wife who looks, you can tell, we know she's infected because she got bitten earlier, but she's just standing there. So maybe she's not fully a zombie, but you know, she's just not with it. She's like in that almost comatose state that Miss Espinosa was in when we first saw her. So they get in the apartment, they lock the door behind them, and something that I didn't notice like ever in the million times that I've seen this, there's all these empty rat cages which if you watch the second movie comes into play but there's all these empty rat cages and you know angela's like what the what the fuck what is this place and as they're trying to find their way out they are looking around and they see all this like vials and like scientific gear and they see a cutout of something that says uh cult armageddon doomsday virus and you know of course things may not be clicking then especially at at that time when you know at that time when they're trying to just find a way out and find safety and a way to live but so they're still looking around and they're just finding even more and more weird shit like just pictures basically deformed body parts and you know more and more evidence that all of this was planned because if you kind of watch and piece it together it was planned someone released this virus in this building specifically because they were part of that cult and other places and other buildings have also succumbed to the same virus but they're looking around and angela finds a tape recorder which who has a tape recorder in 20 what what was this 2008 i was about to say 2022 even 2008 and it's one of those old school big ass tape recorders 
so they play the tape recorder and it's speaking in this super deep and slow voice and it, it to me sounds like an incantation truthfully and right after it's done playing this incantation the attic door swings open all by itself and they start hearing this low creaking so after the attic door swings down he lets her know scott lets her know yo i have to shine this light up there and put the camera to see if there's anything up there because we can't just stay down here there might be a way out up there and she's freaking out and he's like stay with me angela stay with me and again this is one very loving and patient black man because bitch at this point it's every man for himself we're not even dating we all we had was a flirt flirtation chip i'm not fucking you you're not paying my bills you're not even my woman and we don't even technically work together no more because that little job contract is null and void once my life is in danger fuck you fuck all this shit i don't have to comfort you like i'm just saying he's a good one because and you're getting annoying because you keep freaking out about the littlest thing. You keep the light on me. You keep the light on me. Bitch, I don't have the light on me and you don't see me freaking out. But anyways, he puts the light. <laughs> he puts the light and the camera and like circles the attic. And of course, at like when he's almost to a complete circle, this what looks like a a woman child demon thing knocks the camera out of his hand. So he ends up having to turn the night vision on once that demon thing knocks the camera because it breaks the light is what I'm guessing because he's not able to fix it. So he turns on the night vision. He tells Angela, you know, wrap your arms around my, my waist and, you know, I'll try to find us a way out of here because I can see through the camera through the night vision. And he ends up seeing this creature just clonking around. And, you know, he's like, shut up, you know, don't make a sound. We don't know what it is. It could be one of them and and also in the little not credits but the little casting it's saying that this demon is listed as then infected man but he has titties and it looks like almost like a bralette like a t-shirt over a bralette but yeah and it, or, i don't know it says then infected man so because of that i'm gonna guess that that is the actual owner that infected himself and in turn also infected the building because one of his rats got loose that yeah that's that's what i'm gonna go with he had these infected rats with the doomsday cold either knowingly or unknowingly infected himself so he tried to possibly quarantine himself in the attic i'm not sure and yeah the one of the rats got out boom and here we are today so scott learned that it can't see them because you know walked right by them and also it grabbed a, a hammer like like just out of nowhere that's kind of odd but anyways they tried to sneak by it and either angela or scott knocked some over made a clatter and the demon ran over and started just beating the shit out of scott and he's talking about run run I, i'm just saying he's way too worried about this person like i'm just gonna start screaming like shit i'm the one being killed and he's on my run but anyways so she ends up running of course and falls and you know she kind of hears if maybe sees but i doubt it because it's pitch black but um she kind of hears where the camera drops so she's like 
kind of scooting closer to it trying to find it so she can see through the night vision like Scott was and you know of course you know she gets almost to it and she gets dragged off she's screaming and then we go to black that's it so we're here again at the end of the movie and at our BPR our black people rating all right so every single person in this movie white and black but this is our BPR so every black person in this movie died violent deaths all of them the cop got bit got turned into a zombie we see at the end Scott got beaten down with a hammer by a demon both African people got turned and killed and especially the African wife she just got brutally re-killed after she was a zombie we don't know if the dad made it or we're I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he didn't make it because we we don't know if they got back to the room or if he was locked up there but okay here's the thing even if the dad the paral the paralyzed African dad didn't get infected he's paralyzed there's no one to help him he's in a locked room in this shut off building so eventually he's gonna starve to death and if he doesn't starve to death let's say the CDC or the government comes in they're just gonna off him just so there's no chance of infection so either way he's dead so every single black person in here died were the characters believable as far as the cop Danny he was believable he was an asshole he didn't know how to lead and he was horrible at his job so yes as far as that role white or black all cops are just horrible so yeah he was a believable black cop Scott yes and no because black men really do be going to above and beyond for white women so I mean in that sense it is kind of believable. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but you know, it is kind of believable. So all in all, I'm gonna have to give this just on those premises. I'm gonna have to give it three and a half Afro picks out of five. I almost want to say four, but where, you know, our criteria, are they, are there black people in there? And, you know, are they in a, any significant role? So yes, there was the cop and Scott in there and they had significant roles in the movie. But did any of these black people live? Not a single one. And are they believable to an extent? Yeah, pretty much. They are both believable. So it's a toss up. Again, I, I, I think I got to stick with my 3.5, three and a half afro picks out of five because again they all died that's what's bringing the rating down so okay guys let me know what you think the bpr should be let me know at my twitter at black horror pod or at my email at black horror podcast at yahoo until next time 